Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast. Before we get to our guests, special shout out to Cruise Consulting. We do all your startup accounting, startup taxes, and tons of consulting work, kind of whatever comes up, like financial models, budget actuals, maybe some state registration, sales tax, VC, due diligence support, whatever comes up for your company, we're there for you. 750 clients strong now, $10 billion in capital raised by our clients. I can't believe it. $2 billion this year. It's been a crazy, awesome year. So check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. And now on to our guest. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to cruise. Founders and friends, it's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Orn. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Simon Gleason from Blick Rothenberg. Welcome, Simon. Thanks, Scott. Thanks a lot for having me here. My pleasure. You are like a worldwide expert on employee record, PEOs, benefits, structuring, you know, for companies, especially like US Delaware C Corp companies that are going to be have, you know, entities throughout the world. And this concept of like global PO, global employer record has gotten pretty big. And a lot of the cruise clients are asking about this. We, we actually have a decent amount of content on this, but mm-hmm. I wanted to have an honest to God expert on the podcast so that people, I can just send them this podcast. They can just listen to this. So Simon, maybe you can start just by introducing yourself and retracing your career a little bit and tell us how you got to Simon or to uh, Blick Rothenberg. So um, I've spent like 25 years uh, in this space, working with US headquartered company, companies expanding internationally. You know, I started out ADP, so worked my way up. I helped a lot of US headquartered companies expand into Europe, into Asia. And I spent some time there cutting my teeth, just understanding all the various different options which were available to them. And I thought, you know what? You know, there's a lot of big four, a lot of uh, CPAs on the other side advising on this stuff. So I thought I would switch career paths, kind of get into more advisory side. Uh, one of my mentors at the time, who we both know well, a guy called Nilesh Shah, who was the CEO of Lit Rothenberg, said, you know, you should come over here. We often joked about keeping the seat warm. So that's how I, <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we remain very good friends uh, to this day. Lit Rothenberg, He's a he's a legend. He's a gentleman. He's a scholar and a super nice guy and super smart. Yeah, what a great mentor to have. We're very fortunate. I know you feel fortunate too. Yeah. yeah. So Nilesh kind of lured you over to Blick Rothenberg. Well, yeah, he did. I mean, the only downside is I support Tottenham Hotspur. He supports Arsenal, and they just both hate each other. The one thing that's a that's a was a Champions League or uh, whatever soccer reference in the U.S. Premier, premiership, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm a partner here working with USA quarter companies, just explaining to them what their options are when coming overseas. And not just in UK where we're based, but within Europe and Asia. We're very similar to you guys that we work with early stage companies, so early seed right to series yep. C, series D. And we help not just on the compliance piece, but on accounting on global mobility so it's a really eclectic place to uh to work and i think where i've kind of landed in the last two three years is just this whole thing around po employer record global payroll you know people often say you know where do i sit what should be my strategy and and, and what should be my approach and it's just become quite a you know an area of fascination for me around you know like how this market's playing out now 
particularly in the current economic environment, and especially in the last few weeks with the little bit of the downturn and everything else we've been seeing. Well, also, it feels like the world's waking up to compliance risk with the FTX blow yes. up and all that kind of stuff. So this podcast is being recorded in middle November. Probably will run like the first week of December yeah. or something like that. So who knows what's going to happen and change there. But like, I think, you know, we've been in this huge growth mode, especially in the startup ecosystem for a long time and not everyone yeah. paid attention to compliance. So this is a, also a super, super good conversation to have now. Maybe the first thing, this is like, you actually, put, we talked about, we had a call last week and surfaced some ideas. And one of the things that you kind of clarified to me, which was, is I've kind of known it, but it's, I think we need to dig into this a little bit, how employer of record outside the U.S. is different than PEO used inside the U.S. And, and by the way, Cruz, will we kind of mix that too. We'll say global PEO, we're talking about globalization partners or deal or remote or some of these other services. But there's actually like a, a you you can really speak to this. There's a, there's a, actually a difference between employer record. Yeah, and the, uh, I think it's quite fundamental, and I think a lot of U.S. North American companies feel like it's like Starbucks, McDonald's. It's just the same everywhere you go, and, and really. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I like I that. I don't think it is, and, and and I think it's just unintentional naivety. I'll put it down as that. But the whole concept of PEO in the U.S. is co-employment, so you and a PO are both employing the same individual. And in the US right now, there are 980 PEO providers. And it's like a $60 billion industry. You know, everyone gets it from your ADPs, your trinets, right down to your local providers. So everyone, when they talk to an international employer record, they're like, it's the same, but it isn't. Because the real concept yeah. of co-employment it just doesn't exist. So when you're hiring in different countries, you're being hired on a third party's employment contract, on their ID, on their paperwork. So for someone, particularly in Europe, looking at that, they're like, but you're saying that you're my employer, but my first paycheck has their logo and not mine. So what's going on? And a lot of US payroll HR people go, yeah, you're right. You know, like what is going on? Because they're so used to seeing this whole kind of two logos or just their logo. And they then realize, actually, this is quite different. And that's a, such a great description of it because in the U.S., if you're trying it or Rippling or JustWorks, the co it's co-employment is the key word here. So you're, it's like a partnership between the PEO and the employer, like the, the startup. Yes. You're co-employing that employee, even though like the Trinet, JustWorks, Rippling, is taking a lot of the compliance burden, but the company still has the, the startup in our case, because we focus on startups is still active, has an active role in that. Right. And, and what you're saying is outside the U S even though, even though it's sold by some of these firms as, um, you know, PEO quote unquote PEO co-employment, it's actually not co-employment. It is, you are working for this other entity that is the employer of record, and there is no co-employment relationship there, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you put that to me, and I, I remember we just Googled it live, and it was coming up International PEO, and it was just a page on Google. Totally. And totally. it was like, actually, this is a bigger thing than we thought it would be. And, you know, we do a lot of work with companies who are employing in Europe. And in Germany, they even class it as employee leasing. And I think of car leasing, aircraft leasing, stuff like that. But in Germany, they even class it as employee leasing. So they're kind of giving an even 
a different description around that. So I think it's just something that really the countries are still learning themselves. But for the avoidance of doubt, that individual is not employed on your paper, it's employed on somebody else's. And that's kind of where it starts. If I we dig in that a little bit, that has liability ramifications, that has potentially tax ramifications. Um, and maybe like one of the things I've heard, and this is this is like scuttlebutt, so you're actually a good person to dispel this or not, but like that if or some of these you said like the countries, the European countries, we're just talking Europe because you're in Europe, but probably all countries are mm-hmm. are like getting used to this. It's kind of a new concept. Yeah. It's almost like regulatory arbitrage in a little while. By the way, we should, before we get into that, I should just say the other way, the traditional way that you employ people throughout the world is you start a subsidiary in that country. You have a bank account, you pay pay, you run payroll, you pay payroll taxes. So there's like this revenue stream for the countries, right? Yeah. Like, you know, whatever the equivalent of state municipalities are in these other countries. But like there's tax revenue at risk here. And so this is why the and also like social safety net things, right? Like if you're in a European country that has a strong social safety net, there's probably a lot of taxes being paid. Yeah. From like a normal person living in that. And so if there's regulatory arbitrage at work here where people are trying to avoid some of those taxes, then those governments have a really strong vested interest in figuring out what's going on and coming after. And I, I'm never really sure if it's regulatory arbitrage or if it's simplicity or just speed or tax avoidance, but like, what do you, how do you see this relative to the setup of subsidiary and just run it like you normally would? So we, we are, we're independent, we're regulated too, and our role is advisory. And I often explain to people that a peril company will say, have an entity, have a bank account, that's how we work. Employer of record will say, we well, don't need any of that, just work through us. But no one ever really talks about the third option, which is becoming a bit more popular now, which has been the non-domiciled employer. So when you look at some countries, if the role is ancillary in nature, you don't necessarily have to have an entity. There's actually quite a lot of countries that will allow you to payroll only individuals. And if I just take Germany as an example, like it has a strong safety net from a social welfare perspective, and they've got a tolerance of up to like four or five people to be just on payroll only, where you can payroll those individuals, and you can even pay the taxes from overseas, like by electronic funds transfer. So really, probably the more complicated part is setting up an employment contract that will cost you about a thousand dollars, maybe twelve hundred. But then after that, you're off and running. So really, it's that third option that that we sometimes help companies explore, and where some countries have a less of a tolerance and they they check out the risk a bit further, we might do like a memorandum or a review with them just to say, look, this is above board. We present to the local authorities and we just do payroll only. Got it. So there's employer record, there's set up a subsidiary and yeah. do it yourself. And then there's this non-domiciled employer or employee? Employer. So Employer. Okay. So, so a company is not domiciled in Germany for, you know, so, so to speak, and, but still has some people there. They can actually run payroll and not have a subsidiary there. Yeah. We see it a lot within the talent play. So your software developer, your data scientist, someone who's literally just going to sit at home. They're not going to go out and write contracts or try and engage a local business. They're really working on the back office and the ancillary side. So we we got it. We have quite a lot of clients with that. 
But that's been quite a big thing in the pharma and biotech space as well. So on the employer of record stuff, and I think what we're when we're saying employer of record, we're we're talking about companies that are selling that service to US-based Delaware C Corps and saying, hey, come come use our kind of corporate shell, corporate structure, and we'll be the employer of record. But there's a little bit of a gotcha there, right? Like, isn't like, because what I've kind of heard, and maybe you can dispel this too, is like, there's a lot of like outs for the company offering the employer record service. Like they're basically kind of, they sell it, but they're not necessarily taking the liability and they're actually defaulting the liability back to the startup or the corporate client that's engaging them. Is that like, and I don't think any of this stuff is tested. This is what's so interesting is like, it's not really tested Hmm. to my knowledge, but maybe you know stuff that has been tested. Well, to answer your question bluntly, the answer is yes. There's certainly kind of, we're not responsible for this. We're not responsible for that. In some cases, they want to be indemnified too uh, against any kind of future employment claims. So that's the piece I struggle with personally, that you're kind of putting out 140 pages of content on you'll take care of this and you don't need to do that. I mean, papers that actively promote how to avoid creating a permanent establishment, which is kind of bordering on tax evasion. But then when it comes to the contract or certain items in the terms of service or conditions, they say, well, we're not responsible for that. You know, we yeah, are yeah. not taking your tax or any other legal responsibility. So kind of where, where does the, the law lie then? And when it does go south and it has started to, you're then getting into this kind of like myriad of who's blaming who with a workers' yeah. council involved and the employees are working out that actually this kind of doesn't feel right. And I want to be clear, I, I said there's more mature employer record organisations versus some of the newer entrants, but the reality is I'm just stunned myself how these situations are arising and then they're saying, well, actually in section 7.2 item B, we did say... We're not taking any responsibility for tax-related items outside of employment. So that says to me, well, then this is just glorified payroll. Then what are you? Yeah. What are you taking? And and yeah, we've come across those cases too. Hey, it's Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. Taking a quick pit stop to give some of the groups at Cruise a big shout out. First up is our tax team. Amazing, they can do your federal and state income tax returns, R&D tax credits, sales tax help, anything you need for state registrations, they do it all. And we're so grateful for all their awesome work. Also, our finance team is doing amazing work now. They build financial models, budget actuals, and help your company navigate the VC due diligence process. I guess our tax team does that too on the tax side, but the finance team is doing great work. And then, you know, I think everyone kind of knows our accounting team is pretty awesome, but want to give them a shout out too. Thanks. And back to the guest. Do you think that like, you know, the startup ecosystem is turning down now a little bit? We've seen the big layoffs from like Meta and Amazon and, you know, all the big companies. But we are we are seeing like a tinge of startup laying off or small layoffs, things like that. It seems like this structure or this, it's almost like, it's almost like two different things. It's what they're selling and then what they're actually delivering or the, the, the caveats, identifications, all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like the downturn is when this stuff gets really explored or tested 
are you starting to, is that your sense too? Like, Hey, if things pick up the acceleration and a downturn picks up, there are going to be some negative stories coming out and people who are, you know, companies thought they were covered, but not really covered. Like what, what's your read on that? Well, I think like anything in the downturn, it, it will come. And we saw that with the yeah. contractor model and these personal service companies and umbrella agreements, they were kind of quite similar. You're definitely seeing companies maybe potentially say, well, you know, if I'm using a third party company, they can just fire and they can take care of it. And I just wonder how much yeah. that can go full circle because we both know yeah. European uh, laws are very different. And in Asia, you know, in some countries will automatically side with the local resident rather than the international employer. We've seen that too. Interesting. There was an article today in Bloomberg about some concern in Ireland about how exposed they are to the tech scene. You know, like a quarter of their revenue and their workforce is 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 oh, yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, how many of those are hired directly or through contractors or this type of model? I mean, when people start to lose their jobs, they're going to look at what kind of notice period they got, reasons why, final payments, who's responsible for what, and who's firing them. Is it the employer or is it the third party it's just i think it's going to create some interesting discussions for employment lines well also like in the u.s there's the concept of like class action lawsuits and contingent fee lawyers and and what they kind of look for is like a pattern that they can be applied over you know hundreds thousands tens of thousands of people and it kind of feels like this this could be one of those patterns maybe it doesn't happen in the u.s but is is like if if the German government or French government or you know whatever European government sees there there's a pattern of this, or maybe independent lawyers like isn't this like kind of I almost feel like it's a choke point. It's like a a point where they could go in and subpoena and get a lot like there's like it would be discovery would be really interesting, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I mean. We are a little bit different to US in terms of our kind of like the way we look to litigation opportunities. I think if the workers' councils and the local authorities start to see more and more of this, then that's probably when they would start to investigate the, these arrangements further. You know, in some countries, you can be, you know, a business can be investigated two or three times over a seven year period. So, okay. It still feels like it's relatively new. For some yeah. more than others, but I think you raised, you know, a, a good point. I think it's uncharted territory because a lot of these models have been around for like three or five years, and this is probably the first time, you know, that that, that you're going to start seeing the same kind of redundancies and terminations that we saw 10, 15 years ago, right? So it's it, yeah, it's it's something to look out for. You know, someone said to me, you know, I, I thought it was a bit strong. But this could be like the crypto, the HCM kind of marketplace. But I mean, I'm not an expert in that space. It just seems that when those things yeah. blow up, they, they kind of blow up big. I think there's probably going to be more scrutiny. I think there'll be more rules around how long you can have these types of arrangements in place. And, yeah. and you know, it kind of reminds me of like, I, I, and this is complete speculation, but like five years ago, we noticed a really interesting pattern in our customer base, which was we had a lot of customers that were based in San Francisco working out of a WeWork. Yeah. And they would not register to do business like, and this is, to, again, speculating on what happened here because we don't actually don't know. But like, it seemed like we saw, they weren't really registering in San Francisco. They weren't telling us or they'd, 
come to us and when we, we would register them, but they'd been working in a WeWork for a couple of years yeah. and things like that. And all of a sudden we saw a flurry of San Francisco tax things to them. Yeah. And we assumed that potentially San Francisco got together with WeWork and was like, hey, give us a list of all the companies in working in the WeWorks. Yeah. So we can run it against our system and who, see who's actually registered and who owes, you know? And it was, it had a little bit too strong of a coincidence to be a coincidence, you know? Yeah. And it feels like the same thing could happen here. Someone could be like, hey, we're worried about tax evasion or tax arbitrage or regulatory arbitrage. Can you give us a list of all the all the companies that are using your employer of record service in Germany? Yeah. You and know? They, they could probably say, and can we have a copy of their contracts? And can we see specifically what are the roles and responsibilities of that individual with your client? And if they then see what that role's business development commercial or revenue generating you could come across you know a client base of 300 people there might be 140 in there with salespeople, and that could be like 100 countries and we are just hypothesizing here but yeah the total hypothesis but this is like mm-hmm. this is the kind of stuff that comes out when you start laying off 25 percent of your team mm-hmm. or you decide to close the german french uk office or whatever you know and then all of a sudden because we talked about the safety net a little bit, but if there's a lot of unemployment claims or benefit claims or things like that, the, those patterns become a little clearer for the government agencies. So I don't know. It's it's. I mean, this is why I wanted to have you on because you're so smart about this stuff and know it better than I do. But I just feel like it's still it's still such a it's an innovative approach. And like you said, there are employee employee record employer of record companies have been around for a long time and do it well and they're not arbitraging anything they know they know exactly what the legal constraints are but it's just something to think about yeah um you 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 had made the point earlier and we kind of didn't cover this too much but like actually starting a subsidiary isn't the worst thing you know like it's not super expensive from a tax perspective for us filing the the tax return annual tax return in the u.s Mm -hmm. Actually, does add some complexity at the file of 5471, which is a foreign subsidiary, you know, state. It's like a basically like a, a document that tells the IRS what the financials look like for that subsidiary and telling them about it. Yeah. You don't file that. There's a pretty big penalty. It's like 20K a year. We have a lot of companies that don't know about that, incorporate it, start a subsidiary somewhere, don't file their tax returns until they write, until they come to us, and then we have to break the bad news. But outside of that, it's not too bad, right? Like, how expensive is it relative to the other offerings? Well, it, you can set up within a matter of days or a couple of weeks, depending on which country you use. I think the two that remain most popular with the US are Australia, if they're looking at Asia, and UK, EMEA, and the Netherlands as well. Yeah. There's that bit about good corporate citizenship, but also a lot of countries, they offer tax incentives if you're going to offer stock options to your staff. Yeah? Interesting. So you, If you have an entity... Rather than paying full income tax on any kind of vest or gain that could be up to 50%, you could pay as little as 10% by having an entity in place and registering that, that, that scheme. So a lot of our tech clients will pay relatively low salaries sometimes compared to, say, a Silicon Valley, but they'll offer stock if the company is successful. And yeah, if you don't have yeah. an entity in place and you don't register that, and the employee pays income tax on any gain they make rather than a reduced tax rate 
Oh, so that, interesting. That, that, Instead of capital gains, they're paying income tax on it. Yeah. And then you also have like R&D tax incentives. If you kind of create IP internationally, you can play reduced corporate tax. So there are these things that the UK and other countries like the Netherlands, France, all promoting to attract foreign investment. But if you don't have an entity or skin in the game, bricks and mortar, then you can't get it. So there's actually a bigger financial implications to the individual and the company by not considering whether it's worth or actually setting up an entity. And then the second thing I would add is that, you know, I think where companies have used it as a bridging solution, they've gone in with employee of record eyes wide open, they've shut it down and then set up properly. But then there are others that have been carrying it for like two, three years and they have like 20, 30 employees. And then when they look at what the cost savings would, would be, had they done it properly from the beginning, and had an entity, then really it's just an unnecessary kind of, it wasn't really a hedge, it was just more the fact that it's a cost in the middle. And I think something that has probably triggered this is where they're going through a sale or a funding round. Oh, part, yeah. Part of the yeah. due diligence, um, the buyer looks at this and says, well, what's that individual doing? You might have a taxable presence. What's going on with stock options? And also, if you think we're going to go through with this. I want indemnification in the future from any penalties that might arise. And that's slowed down some processes by about eight to 12 weeks. So wow, that's amazing. That's kind of like a, I'd say that's more of a newer trend that's coming through now where companies are going for like series A and onwards, or you have a larger multinational buying up a tech disruptor. You know, the employee status has been questioned a lot more, whether it's EOR or yes, using yeah. contractors. That makes so much sense. Also, what happens if like you're you're subscribing to one of these kind of newer employee of record services and then you just stop, like you cancel or you close the office and so you stop paying the subscription? Like, are you not, I, I'm just wondering, are you not covered in perpetuity? Are you, for the, or, you know, how does it work? I can see them saying like, oh, you stopped your subscription. We're not really liable for this anymore. We don't, you know, yeah. how does that work? No, it is exactly that. That's what we've seen. And some companies have said, well, you're signed up for 12 months, so you owe me another six months. Or others have just said fine and, and kind of drawn the line. So the moral of the story here is be very careful. There is a huge difference between employer of record services and PEOs, what we call PEOs in the US. There's also this concept of a non-domiciled employer that can you can actually you know run payroll in certain countries if you don't have them actually doing certain tasks you can actually get by that way and then people should actually think about the subsidiary approach maybe more than they are right now because it actually is not really more expensive and and keeps you buttoned up on compliance right i think you have options and talk to someone whoever yeah. they are about what those options are and and take your time because yeah you know the house isn't on fire, but it could be in nine to 12 months time if you haven't addressed the fundamental compliance option or the permanent establishment risk that you weren't aware of at the very beginning. Yep. I know someone they can talk to. It's you. Well, can reach, reach out to you. Uh, Maybe you could tell everyone how to get a hold of you, how to reach out to Blake Rothenberg if they want a consultation on this. And by the way, you folks are really good about just talking to companies. We we send our clients to you all the time just for a conversation. And if it proceed, if it goes further, that's great. If not, you guys are always very generous with your time. So we appreciate that. But maybe tell them how they can reach out to you. Well, look, we're, we're always happy to act as a sounding board. And we're happy to introduce 
anyone to other clients who've been through this journey. Um, I'm at Blit Rothenberg. I'm on LinkedIn under Simon Gleason. And yeah, if you want to share my contact details at the end, please feel free to do so. I think where we add value is just talking to you about, you know, what do you think about doing? What type of people do you want to hire? What could be the best approach? And, and what could be the best employer record that's actually suited for you too? So we I mean, can't really discount it because in some places it really does have a fit. But, you know, you have options. So I, I always say don't rush in because there's been too much of that now. we are sort of start to see two, three years later the impact of that. And, and as you said, we're at a moment of inflection now where people are thinking, you know, you know yeah. costs. That inflection needs to be taken mind. seriously. This yeah. is the kind of stuff that comes out when you start laying off people and, you know, the social nets invoked, safety nets invoked, and the governments are looking around saying, why are we, why were we not collecting taxes, but we're still liable for unemployment benefits and things like that. So be very, very careful. It's, it's, it's always hard as a startup, but having trusted advisors like Simon at Book Rothenberg is a, is an awesome first step. Yeah. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Scott. You know, I love talking about My pleasure. That, so it's great. My pleasure, man. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Thank you so much for coming yeah, by. I appreciate yeah. it. Yes. Bye-bye. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to cruise, founders and friends, it's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Oh.